0: It's going to get there? 32 yesterday. Does he have a the
1: Okay, so welcome to episode 28 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Peter Jones is with me again after a wonderful, wonderful Sunday
0: game. How are you? I'm very good. Anytime we beat the Bears, I'm very good.:
1: Yeah, same here. And we beat them all the time now anyway. It's So it's almost common, commonplace to beat those clowns. And I'm not going to ever get tired of because you and I are both old enough to remember what it was like when it was the other way around. And we were getting our ass kicked every Sunday at 12 o'clock because the Packers suck so bad. They always played at 12 o'clock. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I do my best not to remember those days.
1: All right, so let's talk a little bit about it. So Green Bay, 35, Chicago, 16. Uh, the one, there's a million things that stuck out to me in this game. But I want to say that the last four games, the Packers gave up 16 or less. Is that right? 17 or less, maybe?
0: The defense, well, a couple of things. Yeah, The offense have put together long drives, which always helps. There's no doubt in the last month probably a little bit longer than that six seven weeks the defenses looks like a different defense to the one for the first half of the season and long may it continue it's um it's been a long time coming and let's hope it's let's hope it's for real
1: you know we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where it's like okay we stopped the lions and the lions suck so okay maybe that's not a thing and then it was carolina but then it was tennessee you know so yeah it seems like a trend it seems like the defense is starting to figure it out and we've talked about it, but it couldn't have come together at a
0: better time, really. Absolutely. And you know, you can look all the way across the across the defense with Chris Barnes coming on at, at linebacker, you can look at all three levels of the defense and you can find lots of good things to say.
1: Interesting you bring up Chris Barnes's name because so during work today I may or may not have been looking up Chris Barnes's statistics <laughs> while I was in these meetings. And I'm always in a fucking meeting. Oh I'm gonna get fired. Anyway, whatever. So Chris Barnes, so I was looking up, I looked up Blake Martinez's stats for the year, Christian Kirksey's stats for the year, and Chris Barnes' stats for the year. Blake Martinez made $4 million this year, but with his signing bonus and all of that, he's basically $10 million a year. Chris Barnes is $610,000 this year. He's the league minimum, whatever it is. Blake Martinez had 10 tackles for loss in 17 games and I don't know how many snaps he played, but he plays 100% of the snaps for New York. Yeah. So over a thousand snaps, I'm going to say easily. In fact, he played in 80 snaps against Dallas alone. But so he had 10 tackles for loss or nine tackles for loss. Barnes had five in 10 games in only 300 snaps. So I'll take Chris Barnes all day. On the flip side of that, Christian Kirksey has one tackle for loss. In almost an entire season. And I don't want to talk about next year, but that, he sucks. That's
0: what I put in the notes. Christian, well, Christian yeah. <laughs> And it always comes down to value, doesn't it? Uh, you know, we often have this discussion. It's not just about the exact dollars a player makes. It's what you get for those dollars. It's one thing paying a guy $10 million a year. If you pay him $10 million a year, you expect him to produce... Thirty tackles for a loss, and I don't know how many sacks and, and whatever else. And if he does, then he's worth the ten million a year. But if you're in Christian Kirksey land, where he's on whatever his number is this year, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but six, seven, eight six million. Six million,
1: yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: you expect a lot of production, and when you don't get it, yeah, it's a problem. And and in this day and age of the salary cap, you just can't have that. And you know, without jumping too far ahead into twenty twenty one, but I will anyway. You can't afford that with you know with with cap being so tight next year. And it's always about value, isn't it? It's always about you're trying to get high level of production at a low level cost. What you don't want is low level of production at a high cost. Right. And that's where you're getting.
1: Fuck, yeah. 600,000 Christian currency has not been good. You move the decimal point in the wrong yeah. direction. He still yeah. hasn't had the same production as Barnes. And then they're at the same salary. So if he was paying getting paid six hundred thousand, still one tackle for loss is not going to work. Now, granted, he's had a sack or two here and there and he had a nice interception a couple of games ago and he's had some spots. But he still hasn't played well, regardless. I agree with you on the value thing, and his value has been garbage. But even at a minimum salary, he's been bad. Sorry, I digressed on that, but you oh. know how I do. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not even in the notes. Just start talking about it. So the Packers are the number one seed. They got that number one spot. Playoffs run through Lambeau Field, and that's you know that's what Aaron Rodgers has asked for, and he's he's always said you know I've never been able to play an NFC Championship game here in Green Bay. Well, Aaron. It's time. It is time. So let's make it happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and whilst I'm not a huge believer in winning one for an individual, this is it's team sport, I think for his own legacy, I think he has to at least get them to the Super Bowl because it will continue to be looked on as a, as a team that got to the playoffs every year just about but couldn't win the big one. When the games really mattered, those games couldn't be won. For whatever reason, it doesn't really matter what the reasons are. That will always be something that hangs over... Roger's legacy, unless and until he takes them to a the second Super Bowl. He has to win it, I
1: think, for his legacy, because what we're going to hear is the Packers wasted Aaron Rodgers, blah, blah, blah. Right. They say that about everybody that's only one, one or two. And again... He is the greatest thrower of a football ever to play the game, in my opinion. And yes, I think he should have more than one Super Bowl. And yeah, we were so fucking bad on defense a couple of times. We're giving up 50 to Arizona, or whatever, in that playoff game. Yep, it wasn't on him. But here it is. Here's your opportunity, Aaron Rodgers. Here's your opportunity, at Green Bay Packers, to make it happen at home. And I heard that they're going to put people in the stands. Really? For the playoffs. Yes. Now, granted, it's not going to be 80,000, but I heard it was going to be up to 12,000 fans, which is a lot more than like the 150 they've had a game. So I think that would be
0: awesome. It will will be. If that that happens, that will be awesome. And and, and it will make a difference. And and, and I think as much as anything, I think playing one less playoff game makes a difference. You've only got to win two games and you're in the Super Bowl rather than everybody else has got to win three.
1: Yeah. And your bye week being week five or whatever—that was a long time yeah. ago. That's almost the entire season ago. Yeah. So yeah, they could use a break. The rust thing—I I never bought into that. That whole we're rusty because we had a week off. I—I I don't believe in that, and I certainly don't believe in it this year.
0: They won six games in a row to finish yeah. the season. Yeah. They're on a roll, and they've won those games, well, in slightly different ways, but but. What's consistent over that last four to six weeks, as we've said, the the defense has held the opposition to 17, 13, 16, less than 20 points on average. And you're going to win a lot of games, almost regardless of how your offense plays. And they are the top scoring offense in the league. But almost regardless of how your offense plays, you're going to win a lot of games if you hold the opponent under 20 points.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk more about playoffs maybe next week or something when we don't have a game to review. But there are a lot of good things in this game. Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, four touchdowns, 147.8 quarterback rating. And if fucking – I'm going to cuss a lot today. I don't know why. (laughs) But if fucking MVS, that's two, would have caught that long ball, not only would I have won my fantasy league, but Aaron Rodgers might have broke his own record (laughs) for quarterback rating. Yes, indeed. Because I think he would have, I don't know what perfect is like 158 or 155 yeah. or something like that. I wonder if that would have put him over the top. But so, so,
0: yes, a- somebody else asked me that question on Twitter and I went and worked it out. And assuming that all of his other stats would have stayed the same, which they obviously wouldn't have done, but assuming they had, right. and you just add on that 53 yard touchdown, he would have been over the ri He would have had 122.7. Oh, God bless it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that makes me angry, but it
1: does. God, and it would have won me my fantasy league too, which is even
0: more important.
1: Yeah, my zero dollar fantasy belt. <laughs> or if he had thrown it to Tanyan instead of handing it to Aaron Jones, I would have won, but whatever. Okay, okay, whatever. Talking about Packersdale, not about your stupid fantasy team. The defense played well, as we've said, and specifically Montgomery who had over 1,000 yards and has turned into a decent back. David Montgomery had 22 for 69 and a touchdown, and it's like 3.3 yards per carry, 3.1, something like
0: that. He did nothing. Any time you're holding the, you know, the premier back of the opposition under four yards of carry, but certainly under three and a half yards of carry, you're doing your job. The defense did their job for most of the day. Bears went for it on fourth down and converted quite a few times. But bizarrely enough, when the game was on the line, you know with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter and they were at fourth and less than a yard fourth and fourth an inches almost rather than running the ball rather than running the quarterback sneak which is 99 times out of 100 that place there they decided to throw the ball and and that was just bizarre to me it was all it was it at the time it felt like a game changing play and I know the Packers went out, went on to win by quite a few points in the end. But at that time, you, f- you know, that was a like a 15-play drive to that point. And it just felt like they were going to – it felt like they were going to go down and score. Had they scored, gone ahead 22-21, even if they'd missed the two-point conversion, it just felt like it was a huge, huge play and the oddest of play calls.
1: Yeah. I didn't, made no sense at all. Like, what are you doing? You literally have made it on plays similar to this. That's one of those instances that I talked about a couple weeks ago where coaches want to feel like they're super smart and we're going to outsmart the competition. No, you got a guy that gets you three yards of carry almost every time. You have a quarterback that's pretty nimble with his feet and you're going to take the chance with his crappy arm of throwing it to somebody on the outside. That made no sense. It was a stupid play call. I said it on Twitter. I will say it again. I'm like, why wouldn't you? What are you doing? He's like, what the hell? I'm cussing a lot. Leukemia Lymphoma Society is going to make a lot of money today. I don't know why because <laughs> it's only a Tuesday and I'm really not in a bad mood. But
0: other than that, you know, as you say, the rest the rest of the defense was strong. Jair was Jair, just fantastic as as always. Kenny Clark, I thought, was active again for the second or third week in, in a row. Amos had the in, interception. Very good all-round performance. I mean, I, I was I was surprised that the, the Bears didn't run Trubisky more than they did. I just think that he's more of a threat to teams with his feet than he is with his arm. And, you yeah, know, we said this last week, he's going to throw for 200-odd yards, but the more he throws, the more interceptions he's going to throw, and that proved to be the case. And, and I just think with that guy, you make sure that you have designed quarterback runs Bootlegs, whatever you want to call them, because get him to run the ball seven or eight times a game at least. You know, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league, and you just got to make—I don't know—you just got to make best use of that strength. Yeah, he threw it forty-two times in this game. I don't get that. That's too many. I don't he's, understand he's not it.
1: Good. No, I don't yeah. understand it either. I, I'm not an NFL coach, clearly, but man, that just seemed like a big mistake. Great. And I hope the Bears think he's still good so they can extend him for a couple more years so we can watch him throw it to the <laughs> other team and specifically our Green Bay Packers. I always used to say that Jay Cutler was my second favorite quarterback <laughs> when it came to Packer <laughs> games because Jay Cutler would throw it to us too like
0: <laughs> like a clockwork. Yeah, no, you, you're right. Just as an aside, see, my wife took a liking to Jay Cutler when he was on the TV show with his – with his other heart. Very Cavalieri, right? Yes, that's
1: her <laughs> name, right? That's her name, Cav- Christian yeah. Cavalieri. They're divorced yeah. now, I think, too.
0: Yeah. Rhonda took quite a liking to Jay Cutler, which was quite disturbing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I may or may not cut all this laughing. I'm, I'm laughing with you, not at you. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> okay. What else? Packers. Billy Turner played well in David Bakhtiari's absence. Really kind of surprising. And I beat up on Billy Turner early on, and I thought he wouldn't make the team, actually. When they signed Rick Wagner, I thought that was, we are trying to move Billy Turner's $8 million a year salary out the door. And thank God they didn't, because... How is he better at tackle than he was at guard? I, that makes no sense at all. It
0: doesn't seem to make any sense at all, but I'm with you. You know, I thought he was okay last year, but again, it's about value. What do you get for your $8 million a year? And I was convinced that this was his last year with the Packers, that they would move on from him after, after this year, wouldn't be worth the money, et cetera, et cetera. And he absolutely has proved, certainly proved me wrong. You know, and I'm, I'm happy to happy to say that, and very happy that he's on the team. And what yeah. you know, what a what a job he's done at th- three different positions this season. And any time you can get a guy, especially that can come in and play at left tackle, that you know, that key position on the offensive line, is a guy that you want around. Right, good.
1: and it's Khalil Mack. You know, it's not some yep. clown that's going to get cut after this season. Both him and Wagner, it's not in the notes, but Wagner played well too. I know he missed that stretch block. That's asking him a lot. There was a play, I think it was Roquan Smith, maybe not, that was able to snuff out a running play. You can't ask your right tackle to be trying to chase a linebacker four yards outside that but other I mean, he was great too. Rick Wagner, who I didn't see the value in him, really played well. This offensive line, and you have to give props. I don't know the coach's name, the offensive line coach's name. He's done something, too, because these guys have moved almost seamlessly. Elton Jenkins, Billy Turner, Wagner, I think, played guard for a minute. They pulled John Runyon. As a rookie, he played. Patrick has played better than he's ever played. He never really played any significant snaps before this year all those guys have played well and it's a
0: it all starts up front doesn't it
1: offensively and, and defensively and you put this in here peter so i'm gonna let you talk about it mvs had a nice catch in this game
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i think that you know he's one of those guys that i'm he is what he is at this stage of career he's a he's a speed burner guy from the outside he's never gonna be Devonte adams right he's never gonna be your number one receiver But I think if you accept that he's your third or fourth wide receiver, a guy that gives you speed on the outside, you know, that you can bring in for exactly those types of plays and you accept that you're going to get the odd drop here and there, unfortunately, but you have to have a guy that can stretch the field like that. He gives you something that pretty much the other receivers don't give you. Even though you've got size in Lazard and you've got size in EQ, you don't have that out and out speed that the MBS has and he just gives you something that you don't otherwise have so I think you have to unfortunately and, and none of us like it really you have to kind of we have to put up with the rough as well as the smooth as it were for this year I think that next year again you know it, it becomes it becomes a numbers game doesn't it at every position he's going to earn two million plus next year and, and it just depends on whether they think that's value as a fourth or fifth wide receiver on the roster. We'll see. He'll break your heart, though.
1: So a couple of negatives in this game, and I thought it was was more of a Bears played the game well or played it as good as they possibly could to win this game. The Packers lost the time of possession game, which is unusual.
0: Yeah, and some of that was because, you know, the Bears converted all of those third and shorts and fourth and shorts other than that one play that we talked about. So they kept those drives going. You know, they had long... Eleven play and fifteen play and thirteen play drives. So yeah, I think a lot of it was just a product of them converting those fourth downs when normally you'd be getting off the field. Yeah, I mean I think that's pretty much it. If you look at Montgomery's yards per attempt, as we said, three point three or whatever it was, that's nine point nine yards. So that puts you in fourth and yeah. fourth and point one of a yard, doesn't it? And it was that kind of game. And, and they just kept converting those those fourth downs, which kept the Packers offense off the field, which, like you say, is very, very unusual. I'm not too concerned.
1: No, I don't think that that's a blueprint. They did have a lot of third and short, fourth and very short, which, of course, you're going to go for it. If you're not on your own 20 or whatever, yeah. if it's fourth and one, you're going to go, especially in 2020. That's become a thing, right? Teams yeah. are going to go for it on fourth down. And they should. I mean, if it's fourth and one, right. You should be able to quarterback sneak for one yard almost on every every time you do it. Unless someone shoots a gap perfectly, you're going to get that play more often than not. But it did also, the
0: Packers didn't run the ball very effectively in this game. They didn't. It, difficult really to work out why. I mean, I was disappointed not to see more of A.J. Dillon, but not surprised. You know, I kind of thought that this is what would happen when Jamal Williams came back. I'd like to see more of Dillon because I think he really moves the pile. And I think that he makes yards where there aren't yards to be made. Even if it's, he makes two yards rather than being stopped at the line of scrimmage. He makes three yards rather than one yard. Because he doesn't need the big holes to make those yards. So I'd like to see more of Dylan, but I suspect that we won't.
1: Yeah, I wonder. Because his body and his running style is really made for cold weather, Lambeau field game. And Williams too, to be fair. I think Williams... And Jones is kind of a once-cut guy, too, but I would say, yeah, I would like to see A.J. Dillon. Not only is he that kind of guy, and this is his weather, but he's only got 46 carries. So he's completely healthy and fresh. And these guys have played 17 games. I think it's a huge advantage that I hope the Packers will take advantage of at least 10 times in these games. I do. And
0: and especially as games go on, the defenses begin to wear out, wear down. Nobody wants to have that big 250 pound load coming at them at, you know, at four or five speed. You, You don't want that. And, you know, he's proved it that he not only can run over people and run through people, but if he breaks away, he's gone. Yeah, you know, they're not going to catch him from behind. Without repeating myself, I'll repeat myself and say I'd like to see more of him.
1: <laughs> Same here. I was right about the fifty carries, though. I didn't want to be because I really wanted to get him to get some carries against the Bears. But I said the over/under was fifty, and I didn't think he would get fifty. But I will say this: I mean, we'll talk about the draft after the season is over. But he's better than I thought, and he's going to be a big addition. The Tavon Austin play, the the fumble. Could have been a really ugly turn the game around play.
0: Yeah. And it's difficult to know what to make of that, isn't it? You know, Austin came with a little bit of a reputation as a, as a fumbler. And I think that once you have that reputation, it never goes away. And, you know, opposing defenses or special teams, in this case, coverage guys, you know, they're going to go after the football. But of course, sometimes those fumbles just happen. Yeah. You know, a guy completely from your blind side just comes in and knocks that ball out and you you've got pretty much no chance and that happens a lot on if it happens a lot it happens on punt returns I want to allow him that one see where we go from here you know if he has another one then he's got to uh, I think he's got to come out of there the, the yeah. problem with it is another one could be the key play in, in a game there is no alternative right now you have to kind of ride the horses that you've got, I think right
1: now he's still the man. Totally agree. It's just strange because I watched it both live and then the multiple replays they have to show after that. But I also watched it on the coaches' film, and the guy didn't even tackle the ball. He just tackled him, and he fumbled, which I – whatever. It is what it is. Hopefully it's a one-time thing. And we won't have to worry about it again. It could have been a play that changed the momentum in this game. It didn't. It's, it's that simple. The Packer D stepped up. And it didn't didn't hurt anybody.
0: You know, it's the same old, same old special teams. We find seem to find different ways to look bad on special teams. Whether it's the opening kickoff, and you can argue you can have the argument about whether the guy stepped out of bounds or not, but that ball was going out of bounds. That's not the way you want to start a game, you know, starting the bears off at the 40-yard line. It's that thing on special teams, it's the fumble. You know, previous weeks it's missed extra points, or it's Scott out kicking his coverage or or us not being able to cover kickoffs and putts, it's just one thing after another. And it's beginning to take us back to a couple of years ago when, and we've not seen much of this and this might be the next thing, but a couple of years ago, it was the Packers being offside on every, <laughs> what seemed like every special team's play, even on kickoffs, right. you know, Josh Josh Jackson seemed to be offside at every other kickoff. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know. The special teams just, just seems to find ways to be bad.
1: That needs to stop. That could be a game changer. We can't have that. Yeah. It's too late for that. You think you'd clean that stuff up, but we just hope now it doesn't affect the game. Absolutely. And
0: the, and the, the saving grace we have is Mason Crosby's field goal kicking. Yeah. Because that—that that's just money. You know, You know that you just feel like every time he steps onto the field, whether it's,
1: 30 yards or 55 yards, he's going to kick it. Agreed. 100%. And I don't, we talked about this already, but the Bears' play calling in this game was very helpful. And I know that they're limited, right? Like if you have a quarterback that can't really throw it effectively or accurately over 20 yards, then you have to limit your plays to the six, the seven, the dink and dunk, get it down the field. But they, the, the play calling is just interesting. I think it's one of the reasons that, that Nagy will be fired once the playoffs are over after they lose probably this week against new Orleans, but they really had opportunities to win this game until they didn't right until the Packers end up blowing them out at the end.
0: It's absolutely true. And you think that, you know, generally speaking, play callers don't change their spots today after, after a number of years. They call the plays that they like to call in the situations that they're in. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, you've got, you got Alan Robinson on the, on the outside. Well, get him involved on first down. If you're going to throw the ball, there's your guy. I want him to stretch the field and then open up this dink and dunk stuff. Montgomery's a good receiver. Uh, Cole Comet, the, the rookie tight end, is an excellent receiver. You know, you want to open the game up for those guys. You want to run Trubisky, as we've said before. And it just seemed like none of that stuff. And no. it just doesn't make any sense to me.
1: They threw the ball like 15 times at Darnell Mooney. Like, who the, what? That's why you suck, Bears. Hey, Dominique hey, Daphne had a touchdown in this game. Yeah. yeah. I, I think know. that's interesting. It, it got me to thinking, which is a scary thing. But Dominique Daphne is nobody, right? He's nobody. He, he came off the shit heap and from Indiana State, which is interesting, like an interesting side story. But can anyone play that H-back position in the Packers' offense is what it makes me think. Jay Sternberger is 100% cut, and I don't want to talk about next year, but it, it, it then th- makes me think, did they have to burn draft capital on Josiah DeGuara? Is he significantly better than Dominique Daphne or any guy you pull
0: out of the footlocker to see if he can play? I don't know. It's a good question. Ted Daphne's proof that he can come in and catch passes, and, and when you can pull a guy in, like you say, from nowhere, they can come in and do it. You know, you have to believe that that's a result of the offensive scheme that enables them to be able to do that. And therefore, quite rightly, do you, do you need to be wasting, if you like, draft picks on that guy? Now, De Guaro we didn't see enough of, and it may be that he gives you... Speed Daphne doesn't give you. It may be that he gives you that ability to get open down the seam, which Daphne won't give you, and and hopefully that's the case. I certainly wouldn't be looking at drafting tight end high next year, even though you know Mercedes Lewis is going to be, well, he's older than me, I'm sure. Right. You know, I I, I but he's a guy that you expect he's probably coming back for yet another one year. Contract. I think it's a really a really valid question. And, and next year, when you think that there's, you know, they need help in other positions, whether that's cornerback, whether that's on the defensive line, tight end would be way down my list of of, of needs for the Packers in 2021.
1: Uh, Devontae Adams breaks Sterling Sharp's catch record and tied right tied his TD record. Just, I mean, even though he really did have an amazing game as far as Devontae Adams standards go, this season. And it will be remembered as it is. I think Packer fans will also remember he didn't play in every game this year. Imagine if he had played in sixteen games. Now, you know, maybe he's more healthy and he wasn't as banged up and that changes things for sure. But just over what, 13 games? Unbelievable season for Devontae. Abbott. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I you know, I think that for a long time it was difficult to think that Sharp's numbers would be approached anytime soon. And And yeah, the game's got a little bit more wide open than it was when Sharp was playing, you know, 20, 15 years ago, whenever it was. Um, 25 years ago, I guess. Yeah, 89. It's 30 years ago. 1994 was his last season. So yeah, 26 years ago. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, The numbers that Sharp put up were so incredible, both then and even now, that... For somebody to approach and then break a lot of those records is an incredible performance. And it's even more incredible where you think where we were with Devontae Adams in his rookie and second year. People were calling for his head. They They wanted him out. He couldn't catch, but he certainly turned into perhaps the premier wide receiver in the league. Some will argue for Hopkins or Julio Jones. And I... I wouldn't argue too much, whichever one of those three you put at the top, but he's right up there. And if we could get more consistent play from wide receiver two, to make this offense even more potent, and that's really saying something.
1: And Tanyan tied Paul Kaufman's record for touchdowns by a tight end. And also him and Travis Kelsey had the most touchdown receptions this year in the NFL. And yeah. that's really saying something for Tanyan too. I mean, granted, The Packer record is a big deal, but tying a great player like Travis Kelsey is also a big deal.
0: It really is. And we've kind of kept our fingers crossed, haven't we, for the last two or three years with Tonyan, hoping, praying, perhaps to a degree, wishful thinking that he might break out. And he absolutely has. And he's caught, what, 52 passes? Was it 53? 52 passes on 59 targets, I think. I think any of us could have seen that level of production along with the the 11 touchdowns it's, it's very very good and you know he's he's going to be a handful for whichever team we end up playing in the playoffs he is he's definitely a weapon he is the
1: answer to the wide receiver two issues I think even being so consistent has lessened the blow of not having a very good consistent yep. wide receiver two yep. the defense was good As we talked about, two turnovers again. Amos and Savage, and we don't need to keep talking about it because it's the same thing every week, but they've really played great. Chris Barnes had 14 tackles in this game. 14! I didn't know that. And I watched the game twice, but I still
0: (laughs) didn't know that. Yeah, they stole that dude. He's going to get paid too, right? Yeah, and and it's interesting now, isn't it, when you go back again go back to the draft this year, and everybody was talking about Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray. Where are those guys compared to the to the rookie season that Chris had, is at?
1: Right, and I was upset. Like, I thought the Packers should go after Patrick yeah. Queen. I really liked him as a college player. Yeah. <laughs> Reason 6,000,004 that Dale's not an NFL GM is that he doesn't see stuff for what it is. I think Queen and Murray – no, Queen – I can't remember. Queen and somebody are like two of the like last four like lowest rated linebackers in the league. Yeah, that's bad. First round pick. Max Harrison got into this game, and I don't know what Packer fans expect, or or what I even expect as far as a snap count from him. But he played in twelve plays. That's
0: probably about as many as I would expect. Maybe fifteen you know, maybe 16, 17, but that kind of number in the teens somewhere, you know, you mostly expect that to be spelling Kenny Clark, but you know, you, you, you may see both of them out there, out there together, particularly on short yardage or whatever. But I think anytime that you can get a guy like that who, who could stuff the rum and spell Kenny Clark, which is crucial. I had my questions in my head, whether he would actually report, but of course he, he did. And yeah, if we can get 12, 15 snaps a game out of out snacks Harrison and that would be great.
1: It is great. And I I was looking so Snacks Harrison played sixteen percent of the snaps on defense. And then I was looking like, did he directly take snaps from Kenny Clark? And the numbers say he did because Kenny Clark played in, and I can't find it, of course, and I'm looking for it, played in 84% of the snaps. You know, they might have played next to each other. I don't know, but it re- that's what it looks like. And I'm with you. 20 snaps is plenty. You keep them fresh. You put them in there on an obvious rundown, first and second down or whatever, and you let that man take, you know, take those snaps away from Kenny Clark. On a similar note, though, Kamal Martin only played in – 11 defensive snaps.
0: I don't know how many Kirksey played in, but I'm kind of feeling now that we're kind of getting a set order here, which is Barnes, Kirksey, Martin.
1: That may be the case, which is interesting. I am looking up Kirksey's snaps right now. He only played in 47% of the snaps.
0: I think we're kind of getting to the situation right now where Barnes is your almost your every down linebacker. Kirksey's in there for half of those snaps. And, you know, for the snaps that Kirksey's not in, more often than not, we're in nickel and diamond. You've only got the one linebacker or one inside linebacker on the field. So I think Mm -hmm. that right now, you know, Martin's probably just almost just picking up the pieces in terms of snaps, which is a bit of a turnaround from where we thought this would be. But right now, that's okay.
1: Kamal Martin, I think, has some holes in his game right now, and it's the playoffs. There's no time for holes right now. There's no time to learn things. you, you got to be great right now.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, as we said earlier, you've got to ride the horses that you've got, And and it might be a year from now, two years from now, Kamal Martin might be linebacker number one. He isn't now, and we're not playing these games a year from now. We're playing them right now. So you have to have... Your best horses
1: out there. 100% agree. Kenny Clark was great in his game. Hello, Kenny Clark. I think that he is money well spent. I said that when the Packers signed him. He had a quarterback hit and five tackles, and really, when your defensive linemen, especially for the Packers, are making tackles, that's huge.
0: Absolutely, And and you feel like with Clark, you know, he the injury did early in the season where he missed a few weeks. He took a little while after he came back, and it's almost like he's only. It feels like he's almost only played half a season. And that's now going to be advantageous to him because he's not hurt. He's not beat up. He's probably just coming into his best play at exactly the right time.
1: Let's hope so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be great.
1: I almost nailed the score. I said 38-17. I was super close on that. My best one ever, I think. But not that that means anything at all. Mason Crosby stayed perfect. I thought that's the
0: score I said, But anyway, we'll go on.
1: (laughs) It may or may not have been. Someone would have to go back and listen to the last episode and see if that's the case. So Packers win. I, I'm super excited for the playoffs. It's going to be tough to watch football and not have the Packers on next weekend, but it'll be a nice, I don't know, maybe I'll do some actual work around the house or something.
0: I think next weekend is for the watching and for hoping for some upsets. I would it's, love to see Washington upset Tampa Bay. Right. Not lie. Because, because while you always think, well, you've got to beat the best teams to get there, you don't. No, every, beat the teams every, you got to play. Every game is an individual game. And if, you know, let's say the Washington-Tampa Tampa Bay game, even if Tampa Bay wins that game nine times out of 10, the one time out of 10 might be this weekend. For obvious reasons, you would always want to try and match up with the least proficient team that you have to play. So well, I'd like to play the Bears again or play Washington or whoever else is around. So
1: I know in the past it's, The best team versus the worst team the entire time. Is that still the case this year? Okay. So if the Bears won, we would play them again. Okay. That's a question I had because I've seen like the bracket. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the bracket.
0: No, it's not necessarily the bracket. So the highest, highest, it always plays the lowest seed. So yeah, if the Bears beat the Saints, then then we're playing the Bears again.
1: I don't know. So... I'm, You know, I've beaten up on Tom Brady, even though he's had a statistically very good year. I don't know what the weather is going to be like in D.C. next weekend, but it's not Tampa, so it's not going to be 70. You know, it could very well be 25 or 30 in D.C. this weekend, and that's not conducive to Tom Brady's throwing. I just don't think it is. I think that him and Breeze, when it gets cold out, they can't throw the ball real well when it's perfect. The weather is going to be a struggle for both of those guys, but we'll talk about that next week. (laughs) <laughs> Let's talk about the season in general. Statistics. I mean, again, it's one of the best seasons I can ever remember. The Packers finished first yeah. in scoring with what 30 almost 32 points a game. They scored, and I looked this up and I wanted I'm very impressed with myself. They did, I did all this calculator math. So I looked up, yeah. and again, I didn't look up the kneel downs, and I put this on Twitter too. The Packers scored touchdowns on 44.1% of their drives for the entire year and scored on 55% of their drives. That's a crazy statistic. They scored touchdowns almost, on almost half the
0: drives that they had this year. It really is impressive. And when you feels like now every game they came out and scored on their first two drives. Now, that may not actually be the case, but that's how, it's, that's how it feels like and that they've jumped out to that early lead and that not totally, but almost blown teams out in the first half. And and the games haven't really been like that, but it, but it's felt like, you know, if the Packers had five possessions in the first half, you feel like they've scored on four of them. It may not be like that if you actually went and looked at it, but that's the way it's felt for the whole season. And then they got into the third quarter where it's felt like they've not scored at all. And then in the fourth, in the fourth quarter, they've pulled out with another 10 points or whatever. And that kind of feels like, the way that every game has gone this year. It's Um, interesting you
1: say that, Peter, because I actually looked it up. So they have, and again, pro football reference, maybe the best website ever made, but they show every touchdown that the Packers scored this year. And I think that too, like the third quarter always seems to be the lull that we've talked (laughs) about, but it's not actually the case. It is almost... (laughs) balance the Packers scored 64 I want to say 64 offensive touchdowns this year in those 64 like 14 of them were in the fourth quarter like it's almost perfectly balanced throughout the quarters but it doesn't feel that way it doesn't feel like that does it no not at all (laughs) another thing we wrote down was the Packers finished the season fifth overall in offense and honestly when I thought about that it almost feels like because they throttled down in games because they were winning by so much. Like they didn't need to keep pushing forward. And I think they could have been the number one offense in the league if they needed to be this year.
0: I think this is where some of those stats are, you know, you take some of them, not totally with a pinch of salt, but, but they're as a direct result of what's happened in games. Because the closer games are, the more likely you are to have to keep throwing keep moving the ball, keep scoring. Whereas, you know, we've seen enough games this season, like the first Bears game, where the Packers got out to a big lead and just kind of took the foot off the throttle and, and did nothing in the fourth quarter, if it, pretty much. But You know, if that had been a close game, they'd have had to have kept scoring in the fourth quarter to, to keep ahead. And I think that's pretty much what's happened. I think that, you know, it, it's a team that I think could be the number one offence, exactly as you said, could be the number one offence in the league if they needed to be.
1: Yeah, if the defense was as bad as it's been in the past, probably would have been the number one offense in the league. This is interesting to me, and I wouldn't you must have put this down because I don't remember typing it. The Packers were better as a rushing team than they were as a passing team. They were ranked they were eighth in rushing and ninth in yeah. passing. Yeah. I would never have guessed that.
0: Never. I mean, obviously that shows great balance and what you know what tends to happen with you know, you get some teams, for example, you know, early in the season before Dak Prescott was injured, Dak Prescott was throwing for about 400 yards every game and they were yeah. losing. You know, that's one of the odd stats is that passing offense, because very often teams with high numbers in passing offense are teams that they're either playing close games or they lose or they're losing games. You know, they're having to come from behind and just throw the football all over the field. So I think to be really balanced like the Packers were is, is a huge advantage.
1: And on defense ninth overall. In total defense, which, you know, in the beginning of the season, it certainly didn't feel like that was going to be the case, especially after watching Minnesota in the first game almost come back from a 50-point deficit or whatever. Better against the run than I expected. 13th against the run, and we talked about this a million times, too. It's not necessarily the run defense, but the situation of games that made them probably 13th, but they've improved, so we'll go on with that. Uh, Darnell Savage did not make the six interceptions that I predicted at the beginning of the year. So I'm oh, wrong again for the first time in my life. I'm wrong, but he almost had a pick six on Sunday. That would have been pretty sweet. It's <laughs> the guy's name from the, de- um, from the dolphins, Xavier Howard.
0: Yeah. he has got 10 interceptions, yeah.
1: 10. And also, you know, which should be an opposite stat I feel like if you've got 10 interceptions, you're probably not very good and they're picking on you all the time. But he yeah. was ranked like he, him and Jair Alexander were like the number one PFF grade for the entire season until the end.
0: Yeah. Why are you throwing at that guy? I, if he's got 10 picks. What are you I doing? Know. I mean, that is always the, the thing that you have to be careful of when you see that interceptions number for a corner. It's, yeah, he's got 10 interceptions, but that's because they're throwing at him every single play, you know? Right. Because he's given up like 55 yeah. touchdowns or something yeah. like that. It's very rare in this day and age that you see anybody have double figures in, in interceptions. You know, six or seven tends to leave lead the league these days. And and ten is, you know, you're going back to Lester Hayes type days. And, and I think what, Jair had one or two.
1: I don't know. I think he did. He I, I see it in our notes. He only allowed 14
0: receptions. What? I know. And, and in I think, 16 uh, games. Yeah. And I think he had, I think, I think he allowed four in the first game, the Viking, against wow. the Vikings. Wow. So, so 10 in the remaining 15 games.
1: That's crazy. crazy. And yeah. the Packers played some good receivers this year. Now granted, Kenny Galladay never played against the Packers, but Justin Jefferson played. Alan Robinson played. Ridley and Jones played against the Packers like they're a Godwin and Evans, although they were hurt, were also in that game. Like you should get beat once in a while.
0: Awesome season for
1: that man, for Jair Alexander.
0: The question there is, is, is Kevin King, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. I want so I can't type fast on Twitter sometimes when I'm angry. But w- was he like the unguided or misguided missile on that one play? He literally like closed his eyes, ducked his head like a torpedo. And try to tackle that guy. That was it. Was cartoon like? It was so bad. And he has some bad coverage plays in his game too. Come on, Kevin.
0: I mean, I, I need I you to be good. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't understand tackling technique at all. I mean, I know that it must be something to do with with his dodgy shoulder. I can only imagine, but I don't understand the no arm, the no the consistent what seems like no arms tackles. He wants to tackle with his body, with his shoulder, with anything, but never wraps up. I don't understand it. And if you're going to play off, which I don't agree with anyway, but if you're going to play off, you've got to be able to tackle. You, you can't right. play off and not tackle. You know, that's yeah, a bad <laughs> mix. I don't get
1: it. Yeah, I don't get it either. And I did see that. Uh, LeFleur, Coach LaFleur was talking about how he wants to see his cornerbacks at the line of scrimmage or closer to the line, too. So that's a public statement that he wants those guys playing closer. And why wouldn't you? Kevin King is not a bad man-to-man corner. Jair Alexander is the best in the league if you look at the numbers. Put those guys out there on an island and put them close to the line. If a guy has given up 14 fucking receptions the entire year... Have confidence that he's going to be able to stop that guy on third and
0: three. I agree, and I and I think think that King is a better corner playing up on on the line. Yeah, yeah, he's occasionally going to get beat. He's you know, but I just think he's better up on the line being being physical than he is. This don't understand whether that scheme. With I, I, I don't I don't know.
1: I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know those kind of things. Is it Arius Smith tied for fourth in the league in sacks? He had 12.5 sacks. Did he also have 12.5 last year? No.
0: Yeah, yeah I think so. I think he's got 25 in his two-year packer career, which is exceptional. We haven't had anybody from the from the linebacker position. I guess it's Clay Matthews in his pomp that could do that, and then I don't know who before that. You Tim know, Harris, got, probably right. Yeah, and I think not just for his numbers, but he's clearly a team leader, a guy that the other guys look up to. You know, excellent in the locker room, and you absolutely have to have those guys. You know, the Packers have lacked those guys on the defensive side of the ball. Again, probably since Clay Matthews was in his in his pond. Mm-hmm. Um, and you absolutely have to have him. And is a similar type of personality, I think, that all goes well.
1: Special teams we beat up on uh, some interesting stuff. Tyler Irvin had an 11-yard 11, 11 return on a punt, and that was the best one of the season.
0: You hope that it's personnel and you can do something about personnel. But eventually, when it keeps happening year after year, you say, that can't it's be not. I'm no expert on special teams blocking, but clearly, if year after year your longest punt return is 11 yards or whatever it might be, it's, you know, we had this whole thing, didn't we, for the majority of last season before they signed Tyler Irvin? And it looked like we were going to finish the season with negative punt return yards. Or y- Yeah, we were for like no half the season, and... right? Yeah, we're in a similar not quite as desperate, but still a similar situation a year later.
1: Points right at one guy. Needs to be fired or maybe get us a job with somebody else. I don't care. Because the Packers were the worst in the league 13 and three, the worst in the league at punt yards against. The Packers gave up 17 yards per punt return. I granted they gave up two touchdowns, so that really hurts yeah. or helps the number. But 17 yards and a punt return. That's a huge number.
0: You just can't do it, can you? And especially when you get into the playoffs, when you're playing close games, you know, those special teams plays, the hidden yards change games. A
1: little bit about Aaron Rodgers and his MVP season. Because I wonder if, you know, I know that Kansas City didn't care about that game and they took Patrick Mahomes out, which basically handed the award to Aaron Rodgers. He has played in 197 regular season games. He had 48 touchdowns, breaks his own record. He passed for only 4,299 yards, which, you know, when you see some of the other numbers from the other great quarterbacks, that seems like nothing. But that's in the top 10 for Packers season. Yeah. So it's him and Favre, right? But Matt Flynn is in. Is Matt Flynn the, the record holder for yards in a game? I was just thinking, uh, I know it's not yards in a season, but. So, so like-
0: Rogers and Flynn actually a level the 480 yards that Flynn got in that Detroit game, 2011, Rogers got 480. I want to say, I think it's that Texans game where he threw six, six touchdowns. touchdowns or whatever in the first half or six touchdowns in the game, certainly two or three years after that. But but yeah, they're tied at 480 yards in, in a game.
1: I don't know why that just came to my head because I was thinking two different things, but I wonder if like for the seasons, is Lynn Dickey sprinkled in there or is it Favre and Rodgers for the top 10 in yards?
0: Dickey sprinkled in there once. So he had, that, he had one 4,000-yard season, which I guess would have been nine, uh, 83, where he threw, threw something. I think it was 32 touchdowns and 29 interceptions.
1: Jameis Winston before he was Jameis Winston. Rodgers had 12 games with three or more touchdowns this year. That's crazy. And I can't believe that there was, I, I can't believe that's not a record. So he's time, tied with Tom Brady. Yeah. Three touchdown passes in 12 games. They only play 16, seven games with four touchdowns or more. Also crazy. And do you know offhand, Peter? what the record is NFL. I know that that's the Packers record, but do yeah, you know what the I, NFL record is? I,
0: I don't know, but it can't be many more than that. I wouldn't be surprised if that's not just one behind the record.
1: Cause it's not going to be 12 games, right? You're not going to throw, otherwise you'd have 60 touchdowns in a year. Yeah. Nobody's got that.
0: I looked up a lot of stuff today.
1: I'm very <laughs> proud of myself for, for looking up statistics. He has 31 career rushing touchdowns, which is the highest in Packer history, which is kind of yeah. surprising you know, with the because the Packers are a hundred years old, you would think there'd be quarterbacks that would have fifty rushing touchdowns or whatever because of the
0: way the game was played. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess when you really look at it, you know, the Packers have had I guess three quarterbacks that have played a lot of years: in Star, Favre, and, and Rodgers. Star certainly wasn't a running quarterback; had his share of rushing touchdowns, but wasn't a, a running quarterback. And 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 Favre had his share of rushing touchdowns, but but yeah, for it to be Rodgers is. That surprised me. I mean, if, if somebody had asked me, I would have probably said that there's not a lot between Favre Rogers and Tobin Rote because Tobin Rote really was a running quarterback in the 50s. But
1: Tim Boyle has increased his record <laughs> negative rushing to negative 16. Now, if I was Aaron Rodgers, and I clearly am not, but if I was, because I know him and Boyle like each other at training camp next year, I would have a red jersey with a negative 16 put on it. it. In fact, I may DM Aaron Rodgers and tell him that I think he should do that. Anything, any stats that jump off the page to you, the Aaron Jones season?
0: I think probably the one that surprised me is, you know, he's only the seventh player in Packer history to have multiple 1,000-yard rushing seasons. So it does surprise me. It doesn't, I guess because we've had a lot of 1,000-yard rushes-ish over the last 20 years or so. But I guess we went that whole period from Turdell Middleton in the late 70s all the way through to Edgar Bennett in the mid-90s before anybody had a 1,000 yards rushing. Yeah, I think that's the one that kind of jumps off the page at me. And because he's done them consecutively, he's caught a lot of passes as well, about 130 or so. And I think that If he returns to the Packers next year, which I will worry about that next year, if he returns to the Packers next year, you know, he'll be working his way up the record books with with every carry.
1: And he would pass then a lot of guys because if he's back next year, he's going to be back for three or four years and that will put him really high on the list. Interesting, because again, I looked at a lot of statistics today. The Packers have had, you know, for a hundred years, they have not had a lot of great running back play over a long period of time. Amon Green, who does our intro, and we got to talk to him this summer. He's the leading rusher in Packer history with like 8,800, which again, I'm not saying that's a small number, but when there are guys like Walter Payton, Emmitt Smith, guys with, you know, Pushing closer to twenty thousand, yeah. and the Packers with their long history have a leading rusher with less than nine. I just think that's that's kind of interesting.
0: Jimmy Taylor in the sixties was a record holder, and he had those consecutive years of a thousand yards. And then John Brockington, right, kind of for, for, two, for only for only for three years really was at his peak in the early seventies, and then and then really n- nobody consistently did it until really on Green. You know, Dorsey Levin's had a couple of years. You know, even back in the early 80s, you know, there were those guys, the the Gary Ellis's and the Eddie Lee Ivories, but they were never thousand yard rushers. Right. Um, So there's been some good backs, but.
1: Anything else about Aaron Jones? 1,100 yards. He's got 37 career rushing touchdowns. And he's averaging, which maybe, I don't know, it's not the most impressive statistic, but 5.2 yards per carry is the best ever over a certain amount of carries yeah. for the yeah. Packers. Five, five yards carries, carry is awesome. It is.
0: And when you think that, and I'm not trying to compare, but you're in, over a career, you're in Jim Brown land at five yards of carry. Jim Brown and Barry Sanders land. That's, the, that's what five yards of carry means. You know, Jones has got to do that for another 10 years to catch up with those guys or another eight years to catch up with those guys. But that's what that five-yard a carry barrier is. Really, really impressive.
1: So Jamal Williams, and this is my tidbit. He just passed Breezy Reed (laughs) for 22nd on the list of career rushing yards. Breezy Reed played left halfback. I had to look up what LH was. I'm like, what the hell is LH? He played left halfback from 1950 to 1956. Jamal Williams has almost 2,000 career yards too. When you look at that, him and Jones played together you know, Jamal
0: Williams, it's not a huge number, but it's, it's surprisingly high when you consider that, you know, he's playing alongside Aaron Jones and Jones is getting all the carries. And it's actually, you think, yeah, a couple of thousand yards rushing for a guy that you wouldn't think of is quite, it's quite impressive, really.
1: Talked a lot about Adams, Adams being Adams. We said it over and over and over again. It never gets old. All the records that he had this year in 13 games. Uh, he's also fourth on the touchdowns list in Packer history. So MVS, my personal beat down boy did average almost 18 yards a catch, which is, it's great. I don't know. I don't want to talk about him anymore. But anything you
0: want to talk about MVS? Cause I so that, will listen. That, that 18 yards or 17.9 is across his career. So I think, I think he averaged 20 yards a catch past season. He's great when he catches it. That's what we'll say about MVS. He's, he's the MVP when he catches it.
1: Right. And to his credit, his catch percentage is up this year. I looked at it before this year and it was in the 40s, something like that, like 45 or 47 percent of the balls thrown his way. He caught and I think he's up to 52 percent. So, you know, he has improved. You don't want to compare him to Devontae Adams, but I thought Devontae Adams sucked too when he was young. So you never know. Mason Crosby is Mason Crosby. I'm happy that he finished. I'm glad that that block kick got wiped out by a Phantom penalty because then he was perfect, right? Then yep. he finished the season perfect. 100 points again this season, which is he's done like almost his entire career. I wonder how many years. So, how old is Mason Crosby? Is he? I have to look it up, but I think he's in his 30. Is he 39? I'm going to look it up because now I want to know.
0: I'm going to guess at 37.
1: He is thirty six, so good guess. He looks older than that. He's gray as hell for thirty six, but still can kick. Thirty six. So if he plays till he's fifty, like I want him to, there's fourteen more years. He's gonna be the all time leading like point scorer because I think he's got almost seventeen hundred career points already.
0: When you see Mason Crosby and J.K. Scott next to each other, it's like father and son, isn't
1: it? I always say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's your daddy, J.K. Say that all the time. Speaking of J.K., he had a really nice year too. And I remember when was it John Ryan, Tim Mashday, guys like that. And we're like, you know, this because we had some years. If you're a Packer fan, more than like 15 years, we had some years where guys couldn't kick it more than like 25 yards. <laughs> you know, like we had bad punters for a long time, and we complained. Todd and I complained about them endlessly. He averaged 45 yards a kick or almost 40. Was it 45 this year? And I think his
0: like, career average is almost 45 as well. Yeah, 44.6 um, career average, more than 45 yards a pump this year. And you're right. And you would go back in time. The Packers average was about 41. You know, you go back to the days of, I'm trying to pull some names out. David of David Beverly? Right, well, now we're really going back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of guys like. Bucky Scribner. Didn't Joe, they draft Bucky Scribner? Yeah, and Joe Prokop and, and guys oh, like that. But yeah, David Beverly. Nice year from J.K. Scott. He get, he gets a bit of heat from fans, but I, I think of much as much as much of that, yes, he, he he probably did outkick the coverage a couple of times. But the coverage has still got a tackle. You know, let's mm-hmm. not excuse those guys. They've got to cover those kick. I think punter is the least of our worries.
1: Put a guy down there that can cover the punt. Then yeah. find a guy on the outside, the gunner that can actually get down there and make a tackle. How about that?
0: Travis oh, Jervie.
1: Yes. Travis Jerby? Yeah. He was good at that. Right? Was he from the Citadel? Travis Jerby?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Man,
1: my memory's good today.
0: I haven't been drinking yet. Yeah, and he oh. um he didn't he keep he kept panthers or jaguars or something in his house. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Nothing <laughs>
1: like that. That's super random, but that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like some eccentric cat or whatever like
0: that. So what else, man? We we did a lot of talking today. This was fun. What else you got? Not a lot else. Just excited to be the number one seed, excited to the worst 13 and three team in history for consecutive years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) As long as they don't go 14 and four. Yeah, that that'd be
0: bad. Yeah, no, just it's just really exciting. And, you know, you can't ask any more than having played the regular season, whatever your record is to have that number one seed. Heading into the playoffs and it's just so exciting. I I guess the biggest disappointment, and it's a disappointment we can live with, is getting to the Super Bowl and not being able to have all your fans there. But
1: I'll still watch it on TV just like I would have anyway. (laughs) All right. So thanks for listening to episode 28. We're 28 episodes in, Peter. Isn't that crazy? It was (laughs) like just yesterday. (laughs) Memories. Anyway. Uh, I never thank the sponsors Thanks Dwight at DDG Customs I appreciate you He's also doing our wrestling stuff <laughs> So he's multifaceted Thanks to Andy at ThirdEyeGraphics.net And thanks to the folks that listen to us Every week And thank you Peter
0: oh, Thank you It's just great to be here and chew the fat as it were And talk Packers especially Off the back of a Bears win And a Super Bowl appearance so Absolutely Go Pack Go